Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, Miss Liz Duffy, Dairy B&T Advisor, Middleton Chagask Office, has details of some very important and interesting upcoming events. More guests at the recent Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Centenary Celebrations speak to Farm Talk. IRD Dohalo have organised a public information meeting for the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket, Monday 7th of October, 7pm, for all those interested in the Dohalo farming for blue dot catchments. But next in our programme, an update on the formation of the two beef producer groups. Farmers will soon have the choice of joining one of two new beef producer organisations, POs, as a second PO is going through the final stages of approval with the Department of Agriculture. With more on this, Ms Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Amy, welcome to the programme. That's right, John, and there's been two new producer organisations set up. One is um, has been 100% confirmed by the Department of Agriculture. It's been approved. Uh, that's the Irish Beef Producers Group, um, which has been set up um, by two members of the, the Beef Plan Movement. And uh, that is the first one that's been set up. And the other one, uh, which is, I think it's about 95% there, it just needs department approval, is Emerald Isle Beef Producers. And that's um, that's led, been led by Eamon Corley there. He, he's a Beef Plan Movement co-chair. Um, so he's based in Mead and that's based in Mead. So there's, there's two of them up and running, near, or two of them almost up and running now. Um, it was September when the Irish Beef Producers became the first PO um, to be approved there by, by the department. In the journal, Amy, in your very concise but informative article, you point out the fees. Farmers who want to join the, the Emerald Isle Beef Producers Group, um, there's an entry fee there of €100, Euro, and that's a once-off fee for farmers to pay to join the group. Um, and there'll be a €3 Euro ahead fee on finished cattle, going, go, which go through the group, we'll say, which will all go towards the funding of the, the PO. Now, Eamon Corley has told the Irish Farms Journal that the, the PO will have to employ people in order to make it run and, and keep it going. So to run it, uh, they'll have to employ two people, he said. Um, and he's also quoted us in, without spending money, uh, we're not going to do it right. Um, on the other PO then, um, Irish Beef Producers, um, the, well, the Irish Farms Journal understands that their their members will be obliged to pay an unrefundable fee of five euro ahead for each animal that's traded through the group, and we under also understand that that fee is set by the Irish Beef Producers Council, and will be subject to annual review. So, both of these new groups will set up their own council, you know, with a chairperson, a secretary, a treasurer, um, all above board, and um, just so everything, you know, to ensure the smooth running of them, basically. So it would appear that all of the trouble, all of the self-sacrifice and the friction caused by the beef pickets, it would appear at last uh, 
we have in the net, we have the concept of the PO producer organisations, uh, but PO groups. This has now become established. And I know years ago there was talk from various ministers, even in Simon Coveney's time, that beef producers could set up producer groups, but nothing seemed to happen. But at least now all the factory pickets and the fact that meat is now being processed again, it would appear something good has come out of the terrible damage which could have been done terminal damage which we're told could have been done to the Irish beef sector. Something positive has emerged that people will have ready access to and have some control over their price. Yeah, that's right. I suppose, look, it's, it's a small thing to come out of the um, the protests that we saw um, earlier this month, or, or a couple of weeks ago even. Um, and look, they, they usually, um, POs normally achieve uh, some sort of premium on sales. The fact that you've groups of farmers coming together um, to sell cattle through the factory. They're given the factory um, basically the heads up that they've cattle coming on board and they, they, they negotiate with the factory basically on price for, for the group. Um, so look, hopefully that they go on and, and do deliver a premium to farmers for the quality beef that they produce. And of course, one very serious gripe, and it seems to be quite a fair statement from the beef producers group and the farmers of the gates. They said, we can have these roundtable discussions with ministers, with the factories, but we can't discuss price. And that seemed to be at the behest of the Competition and Consumer Protection Authority, CCPC. It's good now that POs, farmers, do have a direct input into the price they receive. But of course, it's all against the background of possible huge changes with new tariffs under the Brexit uh, situation. As I said, look, it, it is a small step um, towards um, hopefully better prices for beef farmers who feel that they aren't getting a proper beef price and many of them feel that they're getting way below the cost of production and rightly are at so, some weeks. Um, so hopefully look that the, the more beef producer groups even come on, on board for other farmers around the country as far as I'm aware any farmer can join um, either of these POs but it'll be, int- be interesting to see how, how it pans out over the next couple of weeks and months and how they deliver and if, if more POs will pop up. Speaking to us Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor Irish Farmers Journal, on the same page in the Irish Farmers Journal and that's the edition the 5th of October 2019 on page 16 news section Watchdog gets 190 complaints about beef sector that's another of your articles there an echo from the beef protests I understand Yeah that's correct the uh, Competition and Consumer Protection Authority the CCPC um, they received many complaints uh, almost 200 um, since October last year on the beef sector uh, and 183 of those of those were received during the beef protests um, in August and September of this year. The CCPC told the Farmers Journal that the complaints were mainly uh, centred on the four movement rule, the price paid to farmers, feedlots and the animal identification and movement system. Um, that's AIMS, that's what they, they told us. Um, and these complaints are now going to go undergo a screening process in the CCPC and it is hoped that... Um, this, this, whether this will give any issues which may give rise to potential uh, infringe, infringements of competition law. So it'll be interesting to see what the result of that screening process is, John. Thank you very much indeed for taking our call at rather short notice. Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, and your own two articles there on page 16, just two of many, many articles of great interest to particular sectors. So regardless of what sector you're in, you mightn't even be in dairying or in beef production, but there'll certainly be an article there for you. Amy, thank you very much indeed.
Thanks very much, John. Joining us now on the programme, Mr Richard Henschen, Board Director for the Dairy Gold Mid-Cork Region. Richard, welcome to the programme. The centenary celebrations today, recognition of the great work done by the founding members of the original Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited, and indeed the expansion into the huge organisation we now know as farmer-owned cooperative, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. So the founding members uh, celebrating their achievements. Today uh, we're celebrating the centenary of Mitchelstown Co-op Creamery. I suppose basically today uh, we're saluting the founding fathers of the co-op movement here, people uh, way back in uh, 1919 that had the foresight uh, when there were difficult times in economics and there was a lot of issues happening at world and local level and these group of people came together to try and market produce and obviously get a better deal uh, for farmers and I think it's important that we salute those people uh, for all the good work that they would have done and brought the Mitchellstown Co-op to where it was and now today we see a merger of Ballyclaw and Mitchellstown which happened in 1990 so obviously from very humble beginnings we have a big uh, a big oak tree as a result of very humble acorns that were planted away back 100 years ago in Mitchellstown and about 120 or so in the time of Ballyclaw. And when Dairy Gold were making their plans for the vast organisation that's there today, Jim Wolf, CEO at that time and still currently CEO, he tried to establish a commitment from suppliers they would continue to supply Dairy Gold. At the time there was, strangely enough, quite strong resistance from a small number of people who couldn't really commit themselves. But I think that commitment, uh, that plan, uh, that um, you know, commitment uh, was in fact uh, a very, very wise and commonsensical move. Yeah, I thought I came on the board in 2012 and at that time um, the CEO, Jim, at a, a Moorpar company gave a commitment that Dairy Gold would process every litre of milk that uh, our suppliers would have produced and uh, when I came on the board in 2012, uh, a lot of planning was done uh, to have the organisation uh, with stainless steel set up for to process all this milk because it was envisaged at that time, we wouldn't see the increase, people were saying that this extra milk wouldn't come, uh, we had come from 30 years of stagnation with milk quotas and uh, we have seen in the first year we wanted a commitment from our suppliers because if we were going to invest uh, 85 million and at that time uh, in the planning uh, Bertie O'Leary was the chairman and there was a lot of planning done by the board uh, and my fellow colleagues and management uh, to assess from the suppliers how much milk they would produce uh, because if we were investing 85 million we would want a commitment and that's where the milk supply agreement we did get a lot of um, bad press at the start but for to get continuity of supply it was the way to go and incidentally while we were pioneering and in introducing the milk supply agreement every co-op after followed suit even though we took the beating but it was well worth taking the beating I think we we're a stronger organization while we were forced to an SGM I think the vast percentage over 80 percent of our suppliers welcomed what we were doing and as Jim mentioned today we saw an unprecedented increase in our milk quota over 15 and 16 to the tune of 25 percent so actions speak louder than words. Thank you, Richard. Mr. Richard Henschen, Board Director for the Mid-Cork Region Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. Thank you, Richard. And of course, uh, we wish you all the very best in the future, but very nice to recall some of those uh, potential stumbling blocks uh, earlier on, which Dairy Gold 
surmounted and as we look into the uncertainty of the future will Dairy Gold uh, have um, some experience of being resilient. Thank you John. Mr Dennis Murphy, former Group Financial Controller for the entire Mitchellstown Group was present at the celebrations marking the centenary of Mitchellstown Co-op. Well I'm delighted really to be here and it was great to be uh, celebrating the uh, the 100th anniversary of the formation of Mitchellstown Society. Uh, Mitchellstown was in fact uh, uh, an agricultural society. It was founded as an agricultural society, whereas a lot of the others were or cooperative creameries. But um, I joined uh, Mitchellstown uh, in, uh, on the 1st of January 1967, having joined him from ICOS, where I was involved in, with uh, the former IAO West in Dublin. And uh, I worked under uh, John McCarthy as general manager of Mitchellstown Creameries. And I was in that role for uh, about three or four years, about three years, and then in 1970 I became group financial controller of the entire Midstone group. I was, uh, I think, the first chartered of the accountant really to have uh, joined Midstone. <laughs> Daring has changed dramatically now since the, the abolition of the milk quotas in 2015. I mean, the, uh, the milk supply in Ireland has gone up till this year to be about 8 billion litres, and uh, for many years, I mean, it was Treading along at you know just over about five billion, something less than five billion. So there's been a, a massive transformation in the dairy sector here, and of course we have uh, fewer dairy farmers, uh, but much larger herds and much larger output per cow, and much uh, huge increase in constituents in the milk as well, and massive increases in quality. And uh, the Irish focus of uh, grass-fed uh, milk production really is uh, we're becoming a world beater in our own right, and. I think that the Irish dairy farmers now rank among the very best in the world. Well, at one stage we, we used to look to New Zealand and we used to look to, to Denmark, but and now I think they're beginning to look to us and what we've achieved. Yeah. And of course you referred to the abolition of quotas, the end of the milk quota regime which came in around 83, but uh, since then there has been a bit of a concern that perhaps uh, too many people upped production, but as I understand it, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, successor to Mitchellstown uh, Co-op, yes. They are and Ballyclaw, successful to Mitchellstown and Ballyclaw, yeah. <laughs> okay. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but are you confident that people can continue to make a living from dairying, that you see rather a hostile attitude towards the meat and dairy and all of those things which our Irish economy is to a very large extent founded on? But when we look at the abolition of bill quotas, some people, some of them farmers, admitted that producing far more milk had uh, facilitated the price coming down but a general review of um, you know the post milk quota abolition era well i mean it's a, it's all a factor of uh, supply and demand i mean the demand for dairy products continues to increase and uh, i mean the, the supply is also being increasing but this year throughout europe has come back a little bit but in ireland it has gone up by about 10 percent but um, i think i mean the Production of milk off grass is, is highly, is very carbon efficient, and uh, I'd be very confident about the long-term future of our, the Irish dairy sector. And we are told the future could very well be in Asia, despite food miles. And oh, well, uh, China has become, I think, the second largest customer really for um, Irish dairy products. You know, and uh, there's a huge growth there in uh, infant formula. Excellent. And Mr. Murphy, just to have a, a general review of uh, the turnout here today. A lot of the people that I would have worked at uh, as a managerial position, you know, they've passed on now. And, uh, you know, Lord to mercy in them, that's the best thing I could say. Yeah. 
It is marvellous. It's great. Absolutely. And I'm delighted with the progress that Dairy Gold has made in the past few years. Yes. Absolutely tremendous. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, fine. Thank you, too. Thank you. My name is Conor O'Brien, and and my grandfather actually was the the first chairman and chairman for 40 years of the co-op, Mitchellstown Co-op. And and certainly things have progressed uh, in a serious way. There's good employment now in the town uh, between Arnu and and, uh, Dairy Gold Co-op. And there's upwards of a thousand people still working in the town, which is uh, uh, very satisfactory. I'm here with uh, Connor Hayes, uh, my first cousin, and, and uh, Connor's uh, father was a senior manager in Mitchelton Creameries, and he might like to say a few words as to he was there at the start of the scenario. Welcome, Connor, to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Program. My mother was O'Brien. My father uh, came to Mitchelton in the 1930s. He was a creamery manager, uh, worked in the co-op here for 43 years, retired in the late 1970s. Uh, my mother and my father were passionate co-op people. Uh, that's what it was all about. It wasn't about money or anything else. So I, I think it's a uh, uh, hundred years on. It's it's great to see that it, it survives in one form or another. And there's all been all sorts of change in the in the co-op business and the dairy business over the years. I worked in in uh, the food business myself in in well outside of Ireland for for 12 years, uh, but. Uh, I, I think it's it's great to see that it's still there in a different forms. It's gone through all sorts of troubles and conurbations and different kind of journeys. But it's, it's it is great to see it. I came I came down from Dublin today just to uh, to to be part of it. I think to 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 mark the past. It's a good thing. But then you look forward and you know it's it's very. I think as Conor said, it's great to see that lots of people employed and uh, an outward kind of looking. And let's hope they'll have another hundred years. I, I lived um, right next door, just down the first house, just down the road there. So I mean, I can remember in 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 the, in the 1950s and early 1960s, because the the central milk intake plant used to be just next door. So you'd have lines of uh, farmers with horses and carts and tons of milk everywhere. And then through the the 60s, that all changed into people coming in with their tractors. And then of course by the 1970s, it was all over to bulk bulk milk uh, bulk tanks, and that all disappeared. Um, and it also like there's there's a huge uh, kind of community side. I mean, uh, there'd be lots of people that I would have grown up with who, who worked in the co-op or who were farmers or whatever. And uh, despite all the different kind of things, they, they were everyone was part of the family. So very much, uh, and there's still incredible loyalty from uh, a great many people of all ages to the whole the whole business and to the to to what the co-op achieved, which I think was. Uh, stellar. You were abroad for several years, working abroad. Yeah, there. I know. Well, I've worked in different places, but I worked in the Middle East uh, uh, and I've worked in Africa. Uh, but most of my career is spent in Ireland or around Europe. But do you see a, a solid future for the dairy industry in Ireland and Europe and the world? Uh, it would be very arrogant of me to really talk about it. I haven't worked in the dairy industry for a long time, but uh, I, 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 I've always thought that Ireland's big advantage as an island nation was actually that it was an island. And in the business that I worked in uh, overseas was a very large dairy business, and I don't think Ireland could ever compete in that type of volume production. So I've always thought we should be going for the quality end of it, and that's and our uniqueness as an island and our island status, even in terms of the whole... Uh, plants and all those kinds of things to me that that's where the food business should be and we should really focus on that kind of greenness and distinguish ourselves that way because we can't compete with heavy volume kind of things nor from an environmental view obviously with, with, with all this uh, environmental regulations now will be farmers will be caught because of the size of the herd and they'll have to find you know solutions to that but there'll be some kind of 
you know, there'll always be some kind of change, you know, and I, I think that's a positive. I don't, you never should never be afraid of the future. Thank you, Connor. Mr. Connor Hayes. Thanks, Connor. Uh, my name is Jerry Long. I'm president of ICOS. I came down here to Mitchellstown today to this wonderful facility to celebrate the 100 years of, of Mitchellstown and the 125th year of the Irish Co-op movement. The, 125 years ago, it was a different, a different Ireland. It was a, it was a time where our present-day society, you could say, was, was born. Um, the individual person got the right to, to own, produce and work their own business. Dairy Gold, the Dairy Gold today is a celebration of hundreds of years of hard work by local farmers coming to their co-op with their, with their tank of milk, processing it and to develop it into this size of a business, all I can say is congratulations to them and particularly in the past decade. It is easy, however, to admire the wonderful farm-owned co-op that Dairy Goat has become. But the business that has been built up at the foundations of many brave men and women a century ago, we are literally standing on the shoulders of giants. The recent events in the livestock sector demonstrate the value and relevance of the co-op model to farmers. The efforts of the beef farmers uh, from producer organisations to address their weakness in the market should be noted. Um, farmers are facing a, a beef farmers have, have faced a very tough challenge o over the decades, and I'm sure if, if they were based around the co-op model, that the farmer-owned business got back to the primary producer, I, I would definitely say it would be a better model for beef production in Ireland. Yeah, the co-op model has served has served Irish farmers very well over the, over the last 125 years. We travel to Europe a good bit and we see producer groups and, and different ways of, of processing product and food and we would, we would say that the co-op model is still very strong in Ireland and, and, and parts of Europe and, it, and, it, and its results back to the, to the primary producer is, is, is second to none. We, of course we face many challenges, we always do, but hopefully together that we will be able to surmount some of them challenges. We have huge issues around climate change and the way the, and sustainability and the way we, we, we farm and the way we do our work. But we have a road, we have a challenge and we have a road to climb and I'm sure with a, a bit of time, as our forefathers did 125 years ago, I, I would think that we will surmount these challenges in time to come. Thank you very much indeed. President of ICOS, Mr. Jerry Long. Thank you, Jerry, very much. Thank you very much. Dennis Lucy, from 82 to 90, I was the CEO of Mitchellstown. Uh, I didn't retire at that stage. At that stage, the merger of Mitchellstown and Ballyclaw took place to farm Dairy Gold. So that's why I'm here. Obviously, Jim kindly sent me an invitation and I've been looking forward to it for the last number of weeks to me. And I've already met an awful lot of people. You must be very happy indeed to see that something which had such relatively small beginnings that Mitchellstown would now be on the world stage talking about supplying products for China, for Asia. I mean, it changed from 100 years ago when we were looking at markets in Ireland or maybe the UK, but a huge change and sustainability being the key word. Well, there certainly is a huge change between 1980 and 2020, there's a huge change, and I, I well remember 
the factories, the, and now, now, as I say, I'm, I'm starting at 82 because it was there I took over. Um, cheese, yes, cheese, Mitchestown was the home of good cheeses uh, at the time, but whey as a byproduct was practically valueless. Uh, that's far from there today. And seeing those labels must be very emotional for you again. Looking at uh, mandible cheese, three counties and Calvita, three counties and white orange cheese. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. Uh, and every time I look at telly and see the, there's, they're still going strong. Or if I walk the aisle of a supermarket, I still see them. And um, I remember back in the mid-80s, there was a survey done in Brighton Recall and in terms of recognition, 32 County Ireland was in the high 90s. Brand association was 80-something. In other words, association, this, who made that, uh, Town, got it right. In the museum here, certainly the museum, people can come along and see all of those brands, the labels from all of those uh, cheeses, the little triangular pieces, uh, which, as you said, brand recognition right throughout the island of Ireland. There was instant recognition of those brands as being from Mitchellstown, from this region and uh, the produce of this uh, dairy-rich sector. Yes, yes. Well, all of that success and all of that predates me. We have to give credit to those that are long gone, the John McCarthy's, Mr. Lynch, they were the, the drivers of that. Mr. Dennis Lucy, thank you very much indeed for taking some of your very valuable time. I know people want you to go inside and speak. Thank you very much, Mr. Dennis Lucy. Thank you, former CEO. And thank you too. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Liz Duffy, Chagask Dairy B&T Advisor, Knock Griffin Chagask Office, Middleson in County Cork. First of all, Liz, welcome to the programme. I understand you have uh, details of a number of very important events coming up in the near future. Okay, John. Well, thank you very much for the introduction. So the first, the first important event that I want to highlight for your listeners will be of particular interest to dairy farmers as the year winds down and they will be facing into the job of drying off cows. So these events are part of a national series and are being held in good time in order to give people plenty of opportunity to per- prepare for this critical job. So the events themselves are being organised by Chagask in conjunction with Animal Health Ireland and they're entitled Rule Changes to Antibiotic Use on Dairy Farms is Changing and it's asking farmers are they ready for this? So the context for these events is set against the backdrop of antibiotic resistance that is a very concerning issue for human health and medicine. And I'm sure all of your listeners, John, are well aware of someone who has been hospitalized and picked up a superbug infection like the MRSA, which can be very difficult to treat and unfortunately can sometimes prove fatal. So we really need to preserve the effectiveness of antibiotics we have for human use. So this is to be reflected in animal medicine use when in January 2022 we are going to see that the blanket use of antibiotics across dairy herds as they are dried is to be phased out. So this will be a huge change to the current practices on most farms. So the on-farm events are aimed at informing and preparing farmers to the best practice approaches that will need to be employed on farms if selective dry cow therapy is to be a success. Information is king when thinking about selective dry cow therapy and at each of the events, experts will inform farmers as to what information they need in their hands and what steps they need to take along the way to making the critical decisions in conjunction with their vets and their advisors in relation to their own herd and their own situation. The first event will be on Monday next, the 7th, on the farm of Pat and Noreen Cronin in Kilimatra and people are advised that there will be buses to the farm from Kilimatra village from 10.45 on Monday morning as there will be no parking uh, on the farm itself. So that's the first event, John, is on Monday, next, the 7th. Um, then a similar event, um, the following Monday will be the f- Monday the 14th, um, an event on the farm of Donald Buckley, Mount North Ballyclaw, again on the same topic as I've just highlighted, also starting at 11. So that's two com- up- upcoming events on the next two Mondays for dairy farmers to highlight where the industry is going in relation to the use of antibiotics at drying off and help them to be best prepared for the changes that they're going to be faced with come 2022. That's fine. Now, a number of the Grass 10 events, Grass 10 walks have been held. Would you please advise our listeners about the next one coming up in this area or the next one on the list? Yes, John. So the next event I want to mention for your listeners is another that's part of a series of national events, as you said, and that's the Grass 10 event that's going to be on Thursday next, the 10th. Um, at 11am and that has been rescheduled from one that was supposed to be on uh, last Thursday but had to be cancelled due to Storm Lorenzo. Um, the event is being held in, the, in Moor Park in Formoy and the topics to be discussed on the day are autumn grazing management, an update on the use of protected urea, an update on the once a day milking study going on in Moor Park and then preparing for the spring of 2020. So there's lots of interesting subjects to be covered there but I'd just like to pick up on the autumn grazing management for a bit and also how that feeds into setting up your farm for the spring of next year. So as always as we come into the early part of October we're encouraging people to think a little bit about planning um, planning out the last round of grazing on their farms. As always, we're trying to keep grass in the diet of the milking cow for as long as possible, um, uh, I suppose to minimise the amount of silage for the next, the next month. But set against this is the very important consideration that the decisions we make for the next number of weeks can have a big effect on the amount of grass that will be on the farm come the spring of next year. 
So we use the autumn, autumn planner with our clients and with our discussion groups as a great tool to plan out grazing for the next six weeks or so. The basic plan is that you start to close off your paddocks in rotation and the date that this starts depends on the, the soil site that you have. So the heavier farms could have started already. Um, but the general advice is to start around the 7th of or to the 10th of October, which is the coming week. And I suppose most people are clued into that now at this stage. Um, and then you would have to, I suppose the next part of the plan would be to have roughly two-thirds of the farm closed off within a month by early November. So I'll just use an example of a 100-acre grazing block, which means that about 65 acres has to be closed off in 30 days, which divides out to be just over two acres a day. Um, at the moment, we're seeing most people are generally feeding the cows about two to three kilos of meal. So the ideal would be that all the cows would be fed on the two-acre grass allocation and the meal itself. But if you're seeing that there's not enough grass in the two acres and if the meal needs to go beyond three or four kilos, then the best option is to bring in good quality bale silage to make sure you're not getting through the grass too quickly. Now, if on the other hand you're already feeding silage to the cows and you're after working out this calculation for your own farm, just, I suppose, keep an eye on how well the paddocks are being grazed out. And if the cows are not finishing out the two acres, as I kind of set out in the example there, then maybe you might need to cut back the silage a little bit to get the cows to make the best use of the grass they're being allocated. So to reiterate, um, the aim is to get two-thirds closed by early November. And what recovers and, and grows on this would be the grass the cows will be eating when they're let out after calving till Paddy's Day of next year. So the remaining third can then be stretched out to housing, which I suppose for most will be around the third week of November. Um, another point I suppose to highlight would be that any remaining slurry that people may have on farms would be great to put on these early closed paddocks and that can be spread up into the last day of the spreading season, which is the 14th of October. So look, I'd encourage people to go along to Park to the Grass 10 Walk. It's on Thursday coming at 11 o'clock. They'll get to see what the plan is there, um, how they're going to manage the last round of grazing, what their targets are for closing off, and see how they, they plan to deal with any bad weather that may arise or if they have any heavy covers of grass that they have to deal with. And, of course, the Grass 10 team will be there, and they'll be highlighting the key issues um, and address the challenges of autumn and early spring grazing. Turning now to the west of the county, I believe um, Liz, speaking to Ms Liz Duffy, Chagask Dairy and B&T Advisor, not Griffin, Middleton and County Cork. Liz, I understand Clonakilty Agriculture Cultural College, Dorara College, is holding an opening day in the coming week. Um, on Friday next, which is the 11th, um, the principal Keith Kennedy and the staff of Clannacilty College will hold, host their annual open day. Uh, this day is always, always an excellent event in terms of giving prospective students and their families an opportunity to meet the college staff, to take a look at the facilities that are on the college campus and to great, get a great insight to the entry requirements, the courses and the qualifications that are on offer. So Clonakilty College itself offers courses from the traditional Level 6 Green Cert right up to Level 8 degree qualification. So there's great opportunity for academic progression once you enter the system within the college. So from 11 o'clock to 1 uh, next Friday, the 11th of October, all are welcome to explore their options in agricultural education and job prospects that can arise from studying at Dara. And of course, if people want more information on the actual courses themselves, they can go onto the college, the college website. Can you give the listeners uh, some information on an event aimed at GLOSS participants? Okay, so moving on to GLOSS then, John, yeah. Um, on Monday the 14th at 11 o'clock in the morning, GLOSS participants are invited to an event hosted on the farm of Michal Millerick in Glen Willing down this side here in Ballymacoda. And I just give the air code for that location. It's P25A780. So that's P25A780. 
And the theme for this event is to showcase the traditional farm buildings grant scheme that is available to those who are in the, the GLOSS scheme. So the scheme will be open soon again for work that will be undertaken in 2020. So it's a good opportunity for people to come and see what's possible and what can be done to restore traditional farm buildings. On the day itself, there will be staff from Chagask and from the Heritage Council um, to explain how to apply for the grant and what buildings are eligible. So the grant amount varies from 4,000 to 25,000 euro and Michal, the host, he himself was successful in, in his application to the Heritage Council so you can come and look at the work he's completed on his farm. The Heritage Council specialist who was involved this, with this project will be present to answer any questions and explain the full process that Michal went through. So again, this is a free event and all are welcome to attend and I'll just uh, repeat that air code again. It's P25A780 and that's in Glenowilling in Ballymacoda. So if people have particular com uh, questions or queries in relation to Gloss and this um, traditional farm building scheme, they could ring the Middleton office um, 021-463-1898 and speak to Emer or Sharon. But as I said, people are welcome to come along the day and they can, they can meet the people on the day and ask any questions they may have in relation to that particular scheme. There is a great range of events on next week and I suppose as you mentioned at the start, I'd also encourage people to get out, get off their farms meet with other farmers and industry professionals and to avail of a great opportunity to discuss the issues, the challenges and the opportunity of the months and years ahead. And look, I suppose just to repeat again, if, if people have any, any of your listeners would like any more information of any of the events I've been speaking about, they could just give their local Tagus office a ring and they'll have more information there about them. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Liz Duffy, Dairy B&T Advisor at the Knock Griffin Chagask Office Middleton in County Cork. Thank you, Liz, very much indeed. IRG Duhallow will hold a public information meeting at James O'Keefe Institute Newmarket on Monday 7th of October starting 7pm for all those interested in finding out more about the Duhallow Farming for Blue Dot Catchments project. The public information meeting at James O'Keefe Institute Newmarket on Monday 7th of October 7pm is open to all farmers who are interested in hearing about farming adjacent to watercourses both big and small. Speaking to Farm Talk in advance of next Monday night's special public information meeting, IRD Duhallow Farm Planner, Mr Michael Morrissey. This uh, Duhallow Farming for Blue Dot Catchment uh, project, it's, a, it's an EIP uh, co-funded by the Department of Agriculture and the Rural Development uh, Plan. It's 100% uh, focused towards farmers. Um, they, because they're, they're custodians of the environment, um, they provide a, a very important ecosystem service. Um, so the overview of the project, uh, it's, it's 1.4 million euro funded. Uh, the aim is going to be a cost-effective uh, community-led strategy to restore and protect the high status of the Allo River catchment. So this catchment includes the rivers uh, Dalu, Onanar, um, Owen Keel and, and uh, Glen Lara. Mr Michael Morrissey there, IRD Duhallow Farm Planner, working with the Duhallow Farming for Blue Dot Catchments Environmental Project, speaking in advance of a public meeting planned for James O'Keefe Institute, Newmarket, on Monday 7th of October, 7pm. Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Then last Sunday we ploughed and got through super size on the Motherway farm uh, on the brink of Red Barn, so all I can say is sand. We didn't, we didn't see a stone, only sand. So it was a super size after all the rain. It was absolutely perfect and dry. Um, and so everybody, I think, enjoys it. And the day actually turned in our favour as well. So we had some shine all day and mild 
climb. So it was absolutely brilliant to happen to wear these beforehand. These are the results from Go Through. First, in the senior open, first, Michael Linehan, second, Liam Hamilton, and third, Michael Hannon. In the under-21, Billy Foley. In the open three for the standard, Shane Bozang, first, second, Killian Tate, and third, Seamus Foley. In the three for the match, first, James Spendergast, and second, Jim Barris. In the novice two for the first, Orly Hayes, and in the Mockra class, first, Willem Mulcahy, and second, Stephen O'Connell. In the vintage two-fold trailer class, first, Andrew Smith, and second, Ray Hallahan. In the vintage two-fold hydraulic class, first, Perry Doyle, second, Phelan Cotter, and third, Tony Kennelly. And in the vintage single-fold class, first, Trevor Fleming, and second, Damien Ahern. The reversible, two-fold reversible, First, Paddy Harrington, and second, Johnny O'Donovan. And in the farmer class, uh, one competitor there, Mary O'Callaghan. So those are the results from got through last Sunday. John, as I said, a very successful competition. And uh, our next outing won't be for a few weeks. Our next match will be in Bartlemy, the 20th of October. Last Wednesday night, we had our annual AGM in Carrick and most of the existing committee were all reinstated in the same positions as previously. So, um, again, a very big attendance and a good turnout. And um, I think everybody are kind of happy with the way the situation is running. So all the existing committee were uh, returned back for another 12 months. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, Apiro, Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip, very much indeed. Thanks, John. Bantry area of West Cork ICMSA will meet on Monday 7th of October in the Maritime Hotel Bantry at 8.30 to elect officers for the coming year. ICMSA Dairy Policy Officer Paul Smith will speak at the meeting. The area will elect a chairperson, vice chairperson, secretary, member of the National Council and delegates at the meeting. The meeting will be chaired by Ms John O'Mahony with Vincent Cronin acting as secretary. All ICMSA members urged to attend. Tuesday, 8th of October, West Cork IFA County Executive Meeting, venue Parkway Hotel, Dunmanway, 8.30pm. Speaker, Stephen O'Mahony from Agri-Audits, Topics, Cross-Compliance and Board Beer Inspections, etc. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls and to you, the listener, for tuning in. Next Agri-Update, scheduled for this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11 Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.